You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. and mercy are yours from the triune God. Well, by the looks of things, it seems y'all have just gained yourself another lay preacher. Congratulations? Time will tell. But for now, a quick introduction. For those who don't know me, I'm Tracy Faring, and I've been a part of this community since 2010. I was born, raised, and remained active in the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, of which House for All Sinners and Saints is one member congregation. I'm a physical therapist by trade, and that's how I'm paying my bills right now. Those who do know me know that I've been on a journey these last six months. On September 1st, 2021, I quit my full time job and stayed at home taking care of myself and my family while undergoing some intense therapy so that I might be able to function beyond my many-layered COVID PTSD. With that specific path traveled, I'm now continuing to stick my little fingers in a lot of different buckets. Call it attention deficit. Call it not wanting to settle. Call it embracing diversity of purpose. I call it trying to find my call. So let's talk about call. In today's first reading, known as The Call of Jeremiah, little kid Jer gets a visit from the Lord, telling this pipsqueak that he is a prophet. Like any reasonable kid who just heard some gobbledygook from an adult, Jeremiah looks at the Lord like they are completely insane and goes, but I'm just a kid. The Lord, in all of their brilliance, replies, you are never just. And the Lord touches Jeremiah's lips and sends him out. You are never just. Let's hold on to that for a moment. Now, in our gospel text, we pick up right where we left off last week. (sighs) Jesus had just preached his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, in which he said that Isaiah's prophecy of jubilee, good news for the poor, freedom from imprisonment and oppression, sight for the blind, The prophecy of Jubilee was fulfilled simply by Jesus saying it was fulfilled from the pulpit and by the folks there hearing him say it. And so our gospel text continues with the response of those folks in attendance that day. At first, they were amazed by the grace Jesus just proclaimed to be true and were astonished that just a carpenter's son proclaimed it. But then Jesus drops a hard truth on them, a truth that in our little congregation, we've come to know as the worst good news. 
Jesus basically says to his community, oh, but Jubilee isn't just for y'all. It's for everybody. So now that you've heard it, you're fine. Manage yourselves. I'm headed out to the Gentiles. I imagine the congregants took a half-second side-eye at each other to wordlessly communicate, did Brother just seriously say that? Remember that Jesus is just a new preacher at this time. And remember that the Nazarenes welcomed this non-traditional family back into their community and have been supporting them for 30 or so years in ways that none of us will know because whoever chose what goes in the Bible didn't think it relevant to include Jesus' childhood. The Gentiles! Brother, after all we have done for you, you have the audacity to come up in here, reveal yourself as a prophet, and promise jubilee to us, and then leave us to hang out with the unclean? My Bible's footnotes actually say the congregants were furious because of, quote, Jesus' favorable attitude toward the Gentiles, end quote. Favorable attitude. Hmm. That sounds a lot like liberation theology to me. For those new to the term, Liberation theology is one of the many theological lenses through which the Christ story can be understood. During my extremely limited theological education, please note I am not a seminary graduate, nor a theological scholar, I learned that the core tenet of liberation theology is, quote, a preferential option for the poor and oppressed, end quote. A professor in college explained that preferential option to me this way. Two children stand at the end of a dock over the water. One child pushes the other into the water. The parent, glancing over and seeing their child drowning, sprints to the edge of the dock, not even glancing at the child still standing there, jumps into the water grabs the child drowning, and pulls them to safety. Once confirmed that the child is alive, safe, and warm, the parent returns to the landside child to chastise them for their action. I think it's pretty fair to say we've all been each of these children. Sometimes we're drowning and sometimes we're pushing. Lord knows I've pushed. And it's easy, I think, in that moment when you're watching your parent run to your sibling, it's easy in that moment to feel abandoned or forgotten. After all, it's not easy to watch your sibling start to drown, especially when you know you played a part in that. There are all kinds of rumbling feelings going around in that kid. And I'm confident those same rumbles were in the Nazarenes when they were felt abandoned by Jesus and therefore became 
so furious. But the truth, of course, is they weren't abandoned. Jesus gave them what they needed. He gave them Isaiah's fulfilled prophecy. Just like the parent gave that still dry child what they needed, that child needed a lesson. Can anyone claim that this parent loves one child more than another? No. Love abounds in this story. Love gives each child exactly what they need most. And God, my friends, is love. The Revised Common Lectionary second reading for today, sorry you didn't hear it, we don't typically read two readings at house, is 1 Corinthians 13, the love text. You know it. It's the one that's, it's the whole love is patient, et cetera, et cetera, laundry list of all the things that love is, commonly read at weddings or anytime you need a reminder. You may share my general sentiment when hearing this text. Blah, blah. We all know love is great. Duh. Boring. What else you got? But as I read this text again in preparation for speaking to you today, I was taken aback by its final lines. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love. Love is greater than faith. Love. Love is greater than hope. Love. Love. 